Enough will be yours. Part 1. By Secondhand News. Chapter 45. Storms. Read by Theata. August 2020. Twelve days until the rapture. The Love Nest, London. Aziraphale looked up from the newspaper crossword to find Crowley walking towards him, hips swinging like a pendulum that had missed a beat somewhere and was now destined to sway slightly out of rhythm for eternity. Hard to fathom how much trouble those hips have caused over the years. Excuse me? The demon raised his hands to his cheeks in mock offense, swaggered all the more for the last few steps before he collapsed onto the sofa. Aziraphale patted him on the thigh then turned his attention back to the crossword. Seven across was eluding him. Dipso's first drink was the unintelligible clue he'd been trying to wrap his brain around for the last twenty minutes. I don't know why you don't just miracle the answers when you get this stuck, Crowley shrugged, tossing the keys to the shop onto the coffee table. Another day as the world's worst salesman. I could get used to this, he thought, except, of course, there was... No time to get used to anything anymore. It was closing in on him, the reality he had been working so hard to keep himself distracted from. Where he had previously been able to fill the daylight hours by working in the shop and the night hours with the Xerophile, now his days seemed to consist of watching the hands tick on the heavy grandfather clock as Xerophile kept in the back room, the seconds draining away like sand in an hourglass. One more second I won't get back, he would think. Another one. Wasted that one. Didn't think anything of importance. The nights stretched out like their own small preview of what might come after the rapture. He would lay next to his earfell, watch the angels softly dreaming, wonder what plans were rocketing around that unparalleled mind. Aziraphale had taken up the routine of sleeping most nights purely because he thought Crowley found it comforting. He had, before they fell from heaven, had found curling up next to Aziraphale the ultimate joy. Now it was heart-wrenching, a nightly eight-hour reminder of everything he stood to lose in a matter of days. Before he could sink too deeply into melancholy, Aziraphale's voice pulled him back to the mundane, and for a moment, he could pretend it was just another Monday evening. Because that would be cheating, the angel pointed out, before growling in frustration and tossing the newspaper down on the table. Ugh, infernal thing will be the death of me. That was the other thing. Until he started staring it in the face, Crowley hadn't realized how many references to death found their way into his everyday life. He winced at every casual utterance, whether it came from a Xerophel or a breakfast TV newsreader or overhearing a stranger in the street. The human world was obsessed with death, whether they knew it or not. Crowley closed his eyes, breathed in deeply, and held the air in his lungs for two, three, four seconds before he exhaled. You are fine, he promised himself. You have twelve days. Right now, everything is okay. Keep it together. He had to, for Aziraphale's sake, if not his own. He had been so upbeat for the last few days, 
humming quietly to himself as he cooked dinner in the kitchen, voluntarily going to make the first cup of tea in the morning. The angel had hope, Curly understood, a new kind of faith to replace what he'd lost that day in heaven, and he had no intention of playing any part in taking that away from him. So he swallowed his unease, pushed his fear of the unknown deep into the furthest recesses of his mind, and held them there, however much they protested, until he was alone. It was an unspoken element of his and his Aziraphale's never-ending yin and yang balance that only one of them could go through an emotional crisis at once. Whatever he was feeling, however desolate or lost or scared, if Aziraphale needed him, then he stepped up, would lock his own emotions away for another day. Now, as Zirafel had found his way back into the light, it was time for his own suppressed emotions to come bursting back to life. The angel would guide him through it. He knew that, would pull him close and whisper sweet words of reassurance until he came back to himself. Not yet, he thought. There will be enough time for sadness at the end. For now... Watching Aziraphale cheerily dream of saving the world was enough. You feel too much, Gabriel had said to him once, back in the earliest days of his existence. It was a cruel thing to say. He knew that. But the worst part was that it had been one of the truest things the Archangel had ever said to him. He had always existed in a state of heightened emotions. He didn't believe in half-measures and casually strolling through life without ever experiencing everything it had to offer. When Crowley loved something, he adored it, whether that was plants or wine or Aziraphale. Or, he had begun to realize, being alive. He picked up the discarded newspaper, smiled at the mess Aziraphale had made of the crossroads and neat boxes. However many times Crowley explained it to him, he refused to fill in the puzzle using anything other than elegantly joined up letters. Oh, Crowley said, as he read the clue that had left the angel at a loss. Gin and tonic. Surprised you didn't get that one. Gin and I are on a hiatus after the taxi incident we do not speak of. The angel leaned back in from the kitchen and brandished one finger at the paper. Miraculously, the words scrawled themselves into the boxes, and Aziraphale nodded, satisfied. Crowley wasn't afraid of death in the same way Aziraphale was. The grim reality of acceptance had settled over him like a ripe thundercloud, heavy on his shoulders. He didn't want to die, didn't want to leave humanity and Aziraphale and all of the simple pleasures that had made him fall in love with the earth but he wasn't afraid. They had both spent so much of their existence surrounded by death, Crowley causing it, directly or indirectly, while Aziraphale had tried to make humanity's final moments painless and peaceful, and yet its mysteries still eluded them. What happened to the soul in those first moments after the vessel gave out? Its final journey was well documented, up or down, it was simple enough, but before that, in the seconds that ticked by before judgment was cast, what happened then? And 
what would become of them? There was no previous example to use as a reference point, no other moment in time when a demon and an angel had stood side by side with humanity during the rapture. Speaking of which, Crowley thought, what will happen during the rapture itself? Would they die immediately, he wondered, the second the sky split in two? Would they disappear? Would they burn up like space debris entering the atmosphere? Would it all end in an explosion of stardust? Crowley. Aziraphale's voice was soft with concern. Crowley felt the mattress give as the angel slid into bed next to him. You didn't hear a word I said, did you? He looked up, realized he'd been lost in his own rumination on celestial mortality. Hmm? No, sorry, I was miles away. Are you sure everything is alright? You've been so... Glum. I'm always glum. Part of basic training when you reach hell, how to be glum. You move on to how to execute the perfect scowl after that. He laughed, falling back into his age-old habit of hiding the truth behind a joke. While Aziraphale's plunges into emotional despair were infrequent, when they happened, they were intense, the bursting of a dam before he rebuilt it piece by piece until it would stand firm for the next century or so. Crowley, meanwhile, existing in a constant state of emotional severity, was used to the incessant peaks and trials of his mood, found it easier to submerge them beneath humor. It had always been a self-defense mechanism, something he'd employed all the way back in heaven. It had become second nature to the point it was as unconscious as any other survival instinct. Angel. Crowley's voice was barely a whisper, so quiet as Yerfield thought it was nothing more than the breeze from a half-open window. Then he felt the demon's fingertips brush against his. Hmm? Can we stay awake tonight? Aziraphale sat up, leaned back against the headboard, and reached out to slide an arm around Crowley's shoulders. He bent low to kiss the side of his head. Of course we can. He didn't ask why. Didn't need to. You didn't need to know Crowley all that well to see how uncomfortable vulnerability made him. The fact he was innately emotional made for an oftentimes destructive combination. There would be an uptick in sarcasm whenever he was feeling exposed. Aziraphale had learned over the years not to mention it directly. Instead, it took patience, trust, and then he would talk about it when he was ready. He felt Crowley's hair brush against his chest as the demon curled up around him, forehead pressed gently against his skin. Aziraphale said nothing, knew now wasn't the time for cheerfulness, for upbeat declarations about how he was going to save the world. We're the lucky ones, really. Crowley's voice again, dreamlike, as if he was trying to convince himself. Aziraphale rested his chin on the demon's head, let his thumb run absent-mindedly over his bare skin. I do feel particularly lucky right now. Not about the whole, you know, imminent demise, but 
being here with you. How often do people get given their death date with enough time to say goodbye? It's always a faraway thing, a soft deadline. We've been given a chance, at least, to prepare. How does one begin to prepare for the end, I wonder? We did it before, in a way, when we thought we were meeting in heaven for paradise. They lost themselves to thoughtfulness, both marveling at how long ago it seemed, their carefully created plan to stand side by side in heaven. One month, Crowley thought, from dreaming of paradise to staring down extinction. Paradise would be forgetting you. I'm sorry, what? I thought we were having a moment. Crowley shifted position, twisted to look up at him in the dark. Aziraphale couldn't see his expression, but could picture his face. The shocked open mouth, creased between his brows. He couldn't hide how he felt, even in the darkness. Aziraphale softly backhanded his arm, laughing into his hair. I mean, paradise would be getting to do this all over again. Seeing you for the first time, falling in love with you without being driven away by the fear of it. Being brave having the chance to do it properly. I wouldn't wait until the eleventh hour to treat you the way you deserve. Oh, you were always kind to me, Angel, even when you didn't like me very much. I remember being quite cruel to you sometimes. I'm sorry. It's overdue by a few hundred years, I know, but I am sorry for all the times I let you down. Aziraphale thought back to the moments he tried his hardest to forget. They nagged at him, pulled at his subconscious in times of loneliness. He had spent a great deal of time missing Crowley over the years, even back before he knew what he felt was love. The gaps between their time together had grown shorter and shorter as time had gone on, the arrangement conveniently facilitating covert meetings in every corner of the globe, but he had missed him every day they were apart. He would ease the feeling by trying to find something in every day that reminded him of the demon he came to think of as his soulmate. The six degrees of the forbidden he had called the game in his head. Still, there were times Aziraphale had pushed him away, but his own sadness at the hopelessness of their situation gnaw at him until it twisted him into a cornered animal, lashing out in fear. When he thought back at the end, those were the memories he felt most ashamed of, the times where he had said something cruel and watched the hurt flicker in Crowley's face. Sometimes, in his darkest moments, he would wonder if Crowley would ever forgive him. But he did, every time, would sidle up to his ear fell without warning ten, fifty, one hundred years later, sliding back into easy conversation as if nothing had happened. It had been so easy, falling in love with him. Such a gradual thing that felt inevitable, even before it happened. He knew it, he hated it, and it thrilled him. He could trace it back to a single moment, so many hundreds of years ago that the memory should have been lost to time, but it was imprinted so clearly in Aziraphale's mind that nothing could have made him forget. Crowley had been working overtime to try and get under his skin that day. It was his favorite pastime, after all. 
they had spent the day bickering, snipping at each other until it felt like this simmering tension could only end one of two ways, in a fight or a kiss. Aziraphale had looked across at him in irritation at various points throughout the day, had seen the mischievous smile on his face, the narrowing of his eyes as he waited for the angel's prissy retort. I love you. The words had appeared in Aziraphale's mind suddenly, without warning, as he had watched Crowley from across the room. That's what this is. I love you, and it will destroy us both. None of us is without sin. Back in the love nest, Crowley laughed ruefully. Especially not us. Aziraphale smiled. We need to toast to that. Ah, wine. I'll miss it almost as much as I'll miss you. The mood shifted with his words, that temporary lightness retreating as reality reared its head. He heard Crowley sigh, felt a heaviness against his chest as the demon pressed closer to him. A comfort in the dark. I don't think you can miss anything when you're nothing. We won't be nothing. We'll be energy. Dark matter. Something, at least. Thrown into every corner of the universe. I'll put myself back together, and then I'll find you. It might take a while. You'll need to be patient. I'm good at that. And then? There was a beat, and then their voices met in the dark. Alpha Centauri! Lots of spare planets up there, apparently. Aziraphale smiled as he spoke, thought back to standing in the street outside the shop on the day Crowley had said those words to him, how desperately he had had to fight every one of his instincts to stay still and not follow him into the outer reaches of the galaxy. Crowley laughed, because if he didn't, he might have cried. Nobody would even notice us. <laughs>